0: Good morning. I'm not used to these Janet Jackson microphones, you know, or these little Usher microphones, you know, but um, welcome. Um, My name is Cyrus Waters. Thank you for welcoming me. Um, I had a great time in Sunday school when Dakota was teaching on um, the Apostle Paul. And uh, me and Richard, we go back um, a few years back, about seven or eight years ago, and he was my pastor. And uh, Pastor Richard was very um, helpful in my formative years of ministry and the foundational years of, um, you know, just growing as not just a minister, but also as a Christian, as a believer. So um, I really uh, th- want to thank him. I know he's out in D.C. also want to thank his wife, Karina, as well. Um, I remember being around them. Um, You know, seeing little Sophia, she doesn't remember me, but um, it's just a wonderful thing to see um, their family expanding and growing, and uh, now they're here serving. So this is just a wonderful opportunity where I get to minister the Word of God to you guys. Um, I'm married myself. I have two kids, under two. I have a four-month-old son and a, um, yeah. Almost a two-year-old daughter, she'll be two next, next month. Um, they weren't able to come because they're overcoming a cold. They probably could have came, but I figured, like, you know, let's not risk it and get other people sick and things like that. So uh, hopefully they're watching online right now as we speak, okay? So today we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. So Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. I'll read God's word. Both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Let's pray, Lord, thank you for um, this time. Just pray that um, this word um, will um, really impact the hearts of the hearers today. And I just pray that um, you will get the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you are a Christian, you are redeemed. You are saved from eternal punishment. You are adopted as his son or, or, or daughter. However, I think many of us forget that when we say we're a Christian, we can't forget the fact that we are part of a body. We are part of the body of Christ. We are part of the church, the universal church. Is all over the place. A- anyone who, who's redeemed by Christ, whether it's in this country, overseas, any other country, they're part of the church. However, as Christians, we're called to be part of a local church. Now, I'm sure you guys hear this often. You hear people who say like, you know, you know, I- I'm a Christian, you know, but I don't need to go to church. You know, like I, I could read the Bible on my own. You know, I-, I-, you know I-, I pray. I could do that by myself. Why do I need the church? you could pretty much guarantee that that person really actually doesn't read their Bible because the Bible will tell you to go to church, right? And you might, and you might be reasonable, it might be reasonable for you to believe that, hey, you know what, if this person is is truly praying, you would think that once they have like a growing conviction that they should be part of a local church, you know, so it could be an issue of, you know, immaturity or not knowing better and things like that you know initial stages and things like that but as Christians as believers we got to understand that it is not just about you it is about yes it's about loving god and loving others it's about the brothers it's about the sisters in christ so today i really want us to i really want us to understand the importance of loving your spiritual family and that's the title of this sermon loving your spiritual family who is your spiritual family those sitting next to you. You guys are my spiritual family, and I just met a lot of you guys, right? But that's because we have this commonality in Christ. We have this fellowship together in Christ. So today I want us to learn how how we could love each other better, how we could serve each other better. And I'm sure you guys are already doing that. Some of you guys probably aren't doing that now, but it's okay. Today, hopefully, that will change with this sermon. So there are three simple but effective ways, I'm going to share with you guys how to love your spiritual family and be a blessing to, you, to, you, to them. The first reason, the first way to be effective and loving to your spiritual family is to be pleased with them. Be pleased with them. The second way you can love your spiritual family is to pray for your spiritual family, all right? And the third way to love your spiritual family and be a blessing to them is to be present with your spiritual family, okay? So the book of Romans is written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, we see him as like one of the greatest Christian missionaries of all time. And um, this letter is basically, he's he's just introducing who he is. He starts off saying, you know, my name is Paul, you know, an apostle of Christ set apart for the gospel of God. And he, he expresses his heart, his heart um, for them. He's heard about them. But here with Romans, I know we understand and, and we hear about all the doctrines and theology. Maybe there's a lot of popular verses that we know, but today we're going to look at a very uh, peculiar I guess not so popular passage, uh, what we just read, Romans chapter 1, verse 8 through 15. But we see a lot of great things in this passage. Romans, we don't know if this, this church was um, planted. We don't know who planted this church. It's not Paul because Paul never been here before. He, he expresses many times in the letter that he longs to see them. I mean, that's what this section is about. He, he wants to see them. Some people say Peter planted the church. There's no indication or proof of, of that in the scriptures or in church history. We don't know how this church was planted, Okay. But we know that Paul heard about them, and he wants to see them, okay? So here's the first way. Let me talk about the first point as to how we can be uh, more loving towards our spiritual family, and that is to be pleased with them. Let's read verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Paul is saying that he is thankful. He is is pleased with, with them. He says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He is pleased, first of all, for their salvation. He, he praises God like, wow, I'm, I'm pleased because you guys are saved through Jesus Christ. And he doesn't really know them yet. See, I don't really know you guys yet, but I am pleased and I'm thankful that, wow, you guys are redeemed. All of us here have a testimony, right? All of us weren't walking to together with Christ. But look at us now, right? I, I'm looking at all of you guys it's like a rainbow, right? It's so diverse, right? Different ethnicities, different backgrounds, different cultures that we all are. But how are we together? because of Christ. It's because of the gospel. Yes. That's what matters, right? And Paul, he, he's giving, he's being pleased with this simple but really important fact that they are saved. He's thankful for their brothers and sisters who are saved. Sure, your spiritual family might be a hot mess. They might get on your nerves sometimes, right? Just like your regular family, right? <laughs> Am I right? But here's the thing. You can always look back and say, look, I'm thankful that they are saved because before Christ, they were probably even worse. You know what I'm saying? Like some of us, we, we probably know people like, man, like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, like, man, it kind of gets on my nerves. But you can always think back and say, hey, before they were saved, oh, I know, they were probably wilding, right? You probably heard some people's testimonies like, oh, I'm happy I didn't know them back in the day, right? But now you're thankful, okay? So then Paul, he, 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 he not only just, he's not just thankful for their spiritual state, but also for their spiritual impact as well. He, he, he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. See, the Roman church, they were making a spiritual impact. They were, they were doing some work in the community. They weren't just sitting around eating Popeye's chicken and biscuits and playing video games, even though that's cool sometimes. But that's not all they were doing. They were being active. And they weren't, Paul, Paul says they weren't just known in Rome. They were known throughout the whole world, that whole region. They weren't just known in just Italy, okay? They were making an impact. So much so that Paul heard about them. He heard about them. They didn't even have Twitter back in the day, right? They didn't have Facebook back in the day. They didn't have cell phone, Telegram, nothing, okay? But still, Paul heard about them. That's how much of an impact that this church was doing. See, we could be thankful for our brothers and sisters who are faithful for their work. We could be faithful for Dennis who does the security, for Dakota and, and Pastor Richard. We could be thankful for many people. Who, who are doing the ministry. And it doesn't matter if, like, there's not a lot of numerical growth or, 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 or there's not, you know, it seems like there's not things going on. They're faithful, okay? And there's much fruit that comes out of that. There are blessings that come out of that. And see, the Roman church, they were doing work. See, Paul, he, he evangelized the Jews and Gentiles. He's done miracles and all types of different things, right? But even Paul was amazed at their faith. Do we find joy? Do we have gratitude towards those who are walking in the faith? Are we pleased with their spiritual state? One simple but effective way to become a blessing to your spiritual family is to be pleased with them. Okay, We can always be critical. We can always talk stuff about your church and, and brothers and sisters, right? but we got to be thankful. We, have an atti- we need to have an attitude of gratitude towards our brothers and sisters. We need to build them up, right? Yeah. Second way to be a blessing to your spiritual family is to be in prayer for them. read verses 9 through 10. For God is my witness, whom I serve for my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. The apostle Paul had an amazing prayer life. He interceded meaning that he prayed for other people. That's just a little fancy way of saying, you know, praying for someone. Okay, you intercede or intercession, right? Paul, he prayed for believers. He pre- even prayed for unbelievers, for them to be saved, right? In some of the um, epistles, we, we see that. But here, Paul, he's praying for um, the Roman church, and he says that he is unceasingly, he, he, he's, he's not ceasing, meaning he's not stopping. He, he, he mentions them all the time in his prayers because he understood he understood the power of prayer, and he also um, he's just very thankful for them, right? He's very thankful for them. But what is he really constantly praying about? He wants to see them. Okay, he 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 really wants to see the the Roman Church. So here's the thing: we should continually, continuously, constantly, unceasingly pray for our brothers and sisters. Okay, and yes, we should desire to see them too, just like how Paul desired to see the Roman Church. And and here's the thing: he didn't even meet them yet, right? He didn't even meet them, and he had this strong desire. So, how much more should we? Like, we know each other, right? We we should. You guys should really want to see each other. Now I know sometimes I know sometimes you're like okay, but I'm tired of seeing so and so. Like I see them all the time. It's the same old thing. Or like sometimes there's some little conflict that you might have going and things like that. But remember, we're spiritual family. Okay, we should always want to seek reconciliation. There should be forgiveness going on. There shouldn't be any root of bitterness growing in you. Okay, there should be. Uh, you should be a peacemaker. Be at peace with all men, especially those in the household of the faith. Right. And then Paul, he's praying zealously. He is emphatic. He says, you guys are always in my prayers, okay? He is praying, asking that somehow by God's will, he will come to them. See, he wants to see them. Have we ever prayed like that in hopes of seeing someone? That's crazy, right? Maybe back in the day, you know, when you had your boyfriend or girlfriend or something like that. Or, you know, when you guys were engaged, if you're married or something like you, you're like, man, I can't wait to see her, man. She's so beautiful and fun to be around. You know, you think about your boyfriend back in the day, like, oh, man, he's so funny. Like, I want to hang out with him and things like that. But what about the brothers, right? What about the sisters in Christ? Do we desire to be present with them and pray for them? See, Paul, he constantly and zealously prayed for the Roman church for the purpose of wanting to be present with them. See, I'm not saying that, you know, we got to be at church every time the church door is open and, you know, you got to be at every single event and things like that, but we should definitely have it be a habitual lifestyle where we come together, okay? You don't want to ever have someone from the church ask, you, hey, you've been gone for the past few weeks or a few months and things like that. No, it should be a regular thing where we come to see each other, right? Which leads more to my um, third point be present with your spiritual family. I'm going to read verses 11 through 15. I know these points are very lofty. This is a very long point right here because it's a lot of verses I'm going to preach on. But let me uh, read verses 11 to 15. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that way we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. See, the first two points, you know when I say, you know, you must be pleased with your spiritual family, you need to pray for your spiritual family, you know, those are things that you could kind of do on your own, right? You could do that at home. You could do that on your bed, you know? But here, being present, okay, that's when that's when it's really practical. That, that's where, you know, you got to be shown, right? Be present. Why should we want to be present um, in the lives of our spiritual family? There are a few reasons, okay? First reason is that so you can serve them for their growth, Okay, verse 11 says, For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Okay, Paul's saying that he wants to impart to them some spiritual gift. You know, Paul, he longs to serve them by imparting, passing on, giving some spiritual gift to them. Okay, it's most likely Paul, he's talking about he, he wants to preach to them because that's typically what he did when he visited different churches. He was an apostle. But here's the thing. Maybe your gift is not preaching. Maybe your gift is hospitality. You open up your home to people. Maybe your gift is prayer. Sometimes they call it faith. You need to start praying for people, your brothers and sisters. Maybe your gift is encouragement. You need to start encouraging brothers and sisters who are going through it, who are down and out, right? You know, maybe your gift is administration. You do things behind the scenes to make things go in the church, and you encourage and strengthen people that way. Every one of us plays a part. If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift and every spiritual gift matters, all right? It's kind of like a football team. I know, you know, many of us, we might think, like, the quarterback is, like, the main position. That's the, you know, that position determines if the team's going to win or not, but you know what? The quarterback has some blockers, too. He needs a center to hike the ball. He know you have to, when the quarterback's like this, he, that's his blind side, so the tackle and the guard, they, didn't, they better be making sure they're blocking, right? You need, some, you need the receivers that can catch the ball, right? You need a running back that can hold on to the ball and get some yardage in. You need the defense, right? You need the kick return to set the tone for the offense. You need a kicker. In fact, many games are won by the field goal, right? So guess what? Every single aspect of ministry means something. You know, if you're leading in, in worship and singing, you're leading people to worship the one true God. If you're a greeter or usher, you're the first impression of the church to usher people into the church and worship God. If you do administration, you do all the background work to get things going in the church for the glory of God. Everything matters. Don't ever think what you do for the Lord, for his church, is in vain because it's not. We all need it. We all need to exercise our spiritual gift because we are the body of Christ. See, what happens, what happens, it's like with our own life, right, with our own bodies, right? What happens if we just sitting down, eating honey buns, you know, watching TV, you know, binge-watching your favorite Netflix show all day, every day, every week, everyone? What happens? We're going to be unhealthy. We're inactive. We're, we're, you know, get lazy and get sick and disease and things like that. It's the same thing within the body of Christ, right? I know typically we might think a, an unhealthy church is, you know, a church with, you know, obvious apparent rampant sin going on or, or false doctrine, which is true. Those are red flags, and we shouldn't have that, those things in the church. But what's another sign of, of, of a bad or unhealthy church is that there's no one serving. There, there's no one operating in their spiritual gifts. All right? So we have to keep doing our work. We have to do our part okay? So if you're a Christian, remember, you have a spiritual gift. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is, start serving. Start challenging yourself. You'll figure out what you like, what you really desire. Maybe there are some things in the church that you would like to see. Man, I'm pretty sure if you talk to Dakota and Richard, they'll be open to hearing you out and working with you. And then you might think that, what if I'm not good at this? You'll have some brothers and sisters in the church that'll encourage you and, and, and tell you, like, hey, you know, maybe this isn't your calling, but try this, right? Now, complaining, criticizing is not a spiritual gift, right? I know some of you guys think that, oh, my spiritual gift is to sit down and nitpick and criticize every single flaw in the, in the church and ministry. No, that's not a spiritual gift, okay? It's not edifying at all. See, the purpose of a spiritual gift is to not, is to not make you, yourself look good, all right, or put you on a pedestal, okay? It's to, you know, edify the church, equip the saints, or evangelize the lost. That's the whole point of spiritual gifts, right? So we should, we should desire the growth and sanctification in the lives of our spiritual family. Another reason why we should be present is to be mutually encouraged. Verse 12, Paul says, that is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. See, th- this, when we come together, it's a, it's a reciprocal thing, right? It's something mutual. We, we all benefit when we come together, all right? We're, we're equally benefactors of fellowship sharing in each other's lives, okay, associating with one another, connecting with one another. And Paul, he understood that. See, we see Paul as just like, you know, probably like the greatest Christian of all time or something like that, right? But even Paul needed fellowship. Even Paul knew that, oh, I could get, I could be mutually encouraged if I come to you guys and serve you guys. He understood that, right? So, it doesn't matter what context of, 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 of um, fellowship we're talking about. It could be the Sunday morning worship service. It could be Sunday school. It could be the small groups you have, the men's or women's um, breakfast fellowships. We should always feel mutually encouraged, okay? And here's the thing, and I'll be honest with you guys, and I'm sure maybe some of you guys feel this way too, but sometimes like, man, I don't feel like going to church. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I don't feel like, oh, you know, going to this men's breakfast. Sometimes I just want to chill, you know, and just be lazy. You know, sometimes I don't want to go to the, you know, lead, teach the youth group or the young adults and things like that. But when I do go, I, I feel encouraged. I, I feel refreshed. I was like, wow, I'm so happy I came. Like I never left, you know, left a, a, fellow, a time of fellowship and regret it. You know, I never, like, I never feel like, wow, that was a waste of time. I wish I didn't go. No, I always come out feeling like, wow, I'm happy that I got my lazy butt up and went there and got to, got to um, be with the brothers. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to really get to know this person better. You know, I really got to, um, you know, release, uh, relieve this burden that I've been having and I've been struggling with something. And, you know, when I, when I was being transparent and confessed my sin, these brothers helped me out and things like that. Like, I'm happy I did that. It's kind of like going to the gym. Like, sometimes, you know, you ain't trying to get your workout on, right? I know I don't, like, but when you're at the gym while you're getting your workout on, you feel good. When you get out, it's like, oh, man, I'm happy I went. I didn't waste my time. You know what I'm saying? That's how it is with fellowshipping, okay? It's a huge benefit. See, some of us, you know, sometimes we, we, we want to get caught up in our own bubble, and, you know, sometimes we don't want a fellowship. We don't see the importance of fellowship. You know, we, we might come to church late um, and, and then leave early. You know, you don't say hi or bye to anybody. You just do your own thing like that. Like, man, you know, start encouraging people. Start greeting people. You know, start, those things matter. You know, sometimes, sometimes a hello, hi, how you doing, smiling, you know, really means something to someone, all right? So, we should come together because it's a mutual benefit. We'll be mutually encouraged. We'll mutually grow together. And we should also make this a priori- priority. And let's read verse 13. That is that we may be, oh, that's verse 12. But let me start at verse 12 actually. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I know that's a big verse. Don't worry, we'll unpack a little bit. But Paul, he tells how he's wanting to come to Rome. He's longing to come to Rome uh, to visit them, but he's been having some other ministry obligations. You can read what those obligations were in Romans chapter uh, 15, verses 17 through 33. We're not going to go there, but you can write that down for your own reference. But although Rome was not Paul's home church, he longed to visit them. Although he never met them, he longed to visit them because of what he heard. And he also wants to serve them. So he's making this a priority. See, I know some, sometimes we, we might say we're, we're tired. You know, the same old thing is stale and dry. But here's the thing. You know, if, if you're not serving, if you're just a pew sitter, you know, things will get boring for you. Okay? Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you're avoiding fellowship, if you feel like, man, I'm not connecting with people, but you're not doing your part in trying to get to know people, then, you know, things, things will go south for you as far as fellowshipping, okay? Here's the thing, fellowship sometimes, it is a sacrifice, okay? Sometimes when we get off work, you know, you don't feel like going to, you know, Bible study and things like that, but sometimes, you know, you have to, you have to do it, right? Right? You know, sometimes you don't feel like getting that call from, you know, brother so-and-so, you know, your accountability partner, but sometimes you got to do it. Sometimes you don't want to confess certain sins to your close brothers or your close sisters, but you got to do it, all right? You really got to do it because that's how you grow, and that should be a priority, okay? So we have to ask ourselves, do we prioritize building relationships with people in the church? Do we prioritize coming together and growing with each other? Because when we come together, much fruit comes out of it. Let's, let's see in verse 13 again. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I have been presented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. See, Paul understood. He knew that, you know what? If I come and serve you guys, there's going to be much benefit out of it. Not only do we get mutually encouraged, but fruit will come out of it, okay? More people start joining. See, see how, how are we strengthened together? How, how would people know that we are his disciples if we love one another? Okay, that's what Jesus said, right? If we love one another. See, see we, can't say that, we can't say that we have a heart for the lost. We have a heart to evangelize, but you don't even love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on now. What happens when they do come into these doors, okay? Because the next step after evangelism is discipleship. Are you willing to fellowship and, and disciple and spend time with this new believer? Okay, you just can't just be like, oh, I just evangelize, I tell people the gospel, here's a gospel track or here's a gospel presentation and that's it, you put your deuces up and that's it. No, man. You know, being, being a Christian, fellowshipping, man, you tag people along and you fellowship and you bond with each other, man. That's what the church is about. That's why the church is wonderful. We should love our church. No, yeah. you know, we, we, need not, we need to love the church. There's too many believers even that just talk down and criticize the church so much. Yes, church is messy because we're messy people. We're sinners. We're all jacked up, right? But we got to love each other through the thick and thin. See, Paul, he dealt with a lot of churches, knucklehead churches, you know, the Corinthians, for example, right? Just outright crazy, right? People sleeping around everybody and, you know, suing people and getting drunk and all that stuff. But Paul loved them, okay? Paul cared for them. And with your own church, you need to love your church. You need to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what we should do because out of that comes much fruit, right? And here's another thing. When we fellowship together, it should include impartiality. Let's read verse 14 to 15. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. See, in verse 13, he talks about how he wants to reap some harvest among the Roman Christians also, the rest of the Gentiles, meaning the non Jews. And then he talks about the Greeks, which Greeks and Gentiles, it's an interchangeable word. It basically means a non Jew back then. Um, Greek doesn't have to just specifically mean people from Greece. Usually it refers to people who are um, cultured in the Greek language and philosophy and education and lifestyle and swagger, whatever that is. So, but Paul, he understood that he is under obligation to preach to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, because God called him. He set him apart to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. However, he understood that, hey, I'm called to preach to all people, pretty much, because he says, and to barbarians, those who are basically non-Greek, who are probably not, you know, doesn't, don't have the Greek education and philosophy and culture and things like that. And he says, both to wise and the foolish. See, Paul, he understood that, you know what, I'm preaching to anyone. That's why in verse 16, I know this is going a little beyond what, what we're, where we're going to be at, but Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. See, you can't be a racist and a Christian. That's ridiculous, right? You can't, you can't be, you know, discriminative towards certain people, you know, people different backgrounds and things like that. And be a Christian. Doesn't make sense when you read the Bible. God always had a plan. He he chose this little tiny little nation, the Israelites. Okay. He wanted to use them to, to you know to, to spread. The goodness of God to so even the Gentiles, okay? And then we see this example in the life of, of Christ when he ministered to many Gentile peoples, right? And people thought he was tripping, like, what are you doing talking to them and things like that? And Jesus is talking about how, you know, this, this gospel is for all the nations. That's what the Great Commission is, you know, tell the world, you know, make disciples of all ethnicities, all right? So when it comes to fellowship, we have to be like that. We have to not be discriminative towards certain people, Okay? Some of us, we want to be in our own little clique. We want to, like, fellowship. Like, oh, I just want to fellowship with the people who are just, you know, I want to just fellowship with the black people in the church. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to hang out with the white people. No, some of us get like that. Oh, I just want to hang out with, you know, people who are rich, you know, who got the money like me. I'm not trying to hang out with the, 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 those people. Or some of us, we want to, you know, hang out with people who we have the same hobbies, the same little political affiliation. That doesn't matter. Okay? Here's the thing. The commonality, the whole reason why we should want to be with each other is because of Christ, okay? That is why we should be together. All right, all those little tertiary, little minor, non-essential things, so what? You think heaven is just going to be, you're going to hang out with people that look like you, who act like you? No. Heaven's going to be beautiful with all types of people praising God, all right? So that's why we should do that. See, the church is to be a glimpse of heaven. Did you know that? See, this is just a little sample of heaven. And that's why we should come together and not be, um, you know, just having favoritism, showing favoritism to so who we hang out with. You know, we got, you know, and yes, there, there needs to be time where there needs to be like a men's ministry or like, you know, marriage ministry, singles ministry. But typically, okay, generally, we need to all come together because we all need each other. Okay, we can't be cliquish in, within the body of Christ because that's a sign of immaturity, right? Amen. Saying like you just want to hang out with those who are like you. No. Okay? God loves all people. Okay? And when it comes to the church, when it comes to fellowship, you shouldn't be discriminatory. Okay? So here's the thing. Fellowship is important. Yes, reading your Bible, you know, praying, those things are important. But your brothers and sisters in Christ are important. When I heard, when Dakota was saying the announcements, "You you guys have so many opportunities to fellowship. With one another, to love one another, to live with one another, to serve one another, okay? So take advantage of those opportunities to, to, to fellowship and to serve, whether it's, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's music ministry, administer, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God and do it to love your brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> and if you're here and you don't know Christ, you can't fellowship with us. You can't fellowship with us. I know that sounds messed up, but here's the thing. We want you to fellowship with us, not just here, but for eternity, right? We want you to have that fellowship. We want you to experience the spiritual blessings. We want you to experience the grace of God, okay? So how do you do that? First, you have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. I talked about many times how church could get messy, the fellowship, it could get messy. We're all jacked up people. We sin, meaning that we disobey God through action, through our words, through how we thought, and we're going to keep sinning and and getting messed up. But here's here's what the Christian does. We live a habitual lifestyle of repentance, meaning we habitually turn away from our sins, ask God for forgiveness, and, and we keep pressing on and submitting ourselves to the Lord. And we're going to mess up. We're going to keep messing up, but we're going to keep doing it. And we're going to hate our sin. We're going to mortify our flesh. So it's, it's going to get tough. But here's the thing. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by doing good deeds. You know why? Because God is perfect. And none of us are perfect, but one. And that is Jesus Christ, who's fully God and fully man. He lived that life. None of us could live. And he died the death that we should have deserved. We should have been on that cross but God loves us. He demonstrated his love on the cross for us. See, God, he didn't just say he loves us. He showed it on the cross. And then he rose on the third day, showing that God the Father was pleased with the sacrifice. So when we die, God, he doesn't just just see us. He sees his son, Jesus Christ, and we're covered. That's what it means to be covered by the blood of Christ. That's what substitutionary atonement is. That sacrifice that we should have been on the cross, God had a perfect sacrifice for us. That took our spot through his son, Jesus Christ. So that's how you get to heaven. That's how you get a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that's how you have fellowship with us, one another, brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. So I want to close with this quote from Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite um, preachers to read. He says, some Christians try to go to heaven alone in solitude, but believers are not compared to bears or lions or other animals that wander alone, but those who belong to Christ are sheep in this respect, that they love to get together. Sheep go in flocks, and so do God's people. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. and Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for um, this passage in Romans. Although it's not a popular passage, it's pretty powerful um, explaining how, as believers, we must be pleased with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We must be um, in prayer for our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we must also be present with our brothers and, sp- brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to love our spiritual family. Help us to uh, really be... Um, people who, who love and I just pray for the church here for First Baptist Church of Hollywood I pray for the fellowship um, all the fellowship opportunities that they have both their um, you know their men's women's breakfast, um, their small groups, their Bible studies their Sunday school settings Lord I also pray for the evangelism that they do for this community Lord. Uh, I just pray that the fellowship um, grows um, with having new people, new believers come in, Lord, and just experience the amazing fellowship. We thank you for um, the leadership here, Lord. Look after um, the the leadership and give them wisdom on how to guide and direct and to um, really shepherd and feed the flock, Lord. Thank you. We love you. And we also want to pray for those who may be here who don't know you, who don't have a relationship with you, Lord. God, I ask that you um, convict their hearts of their sin and also Remind them the importance of, that you, of your love, that you love them. I pray that they, that they understand that, that they'll turn away from their sins and, and cling to you for salvation, Lord. And I just pray for those who may be struggling, uh, who may not have any close friends here, Lord, and maybe they struggle in this area of fellowship, Lord. Will you um, really help them grow in that area? Give them opportunities to um, to. Uh, make relationships with, with people and to grow. Because this Christian life is not to be like some lone ranger, Lord. This, this Christian life is to be um, in, in harmony with brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. So uh, we thank you and we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.